Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Emilio Diaz. And today, we're going to be discussing some wonderful new releases from... Wonderful. That's how you'd like to preface them. It's a new release roundup, y'all. Yeehaw. Yeah. Um, what if we? Know. What if we did that? What if? What if that was what we did? We leaned into a western theme for no reason. <laughs> we should have talked about fucking cry macho then. Well, I haven't seen it, so didn't play a festival. Also I true. Guess. <laughs> I guess but, they're doing uh, like a Clint festival at like AMC or whatever, that, right? That's, that that's doesn't something. count for our purposes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. What movies are we talking about today, Jesse? We're talking about, uh, a premiere from the Encounters section at Berlin. Ooh. As well as two out-of-competition Venice titles. Hell yeah. Uh, you asked me what we were talking about, and then I didn't say the names of any of the movies. The three movies right. are... I felt like you were building up to it. <laughs> I, I guess... <laughs> yeah, uh, the beta test is the Berlin film, and then uh-huh. uh, the big buzzy Venice titles are Dune and The Last Duel. That's right. What if, what if that was just one movie called The Last Dune? Um... I, I don't would know. probably be a lot fewer worms in it, which I think would be a problem. Because mm. just if there's only one dune left, like where's the worm gonna go? I feel like it would. I feel like if there was, I'm the opposite. Where I feel like if there was one dune left, there would be a lot of worm and not much else. No. Yeah. Like the listeners weigh in. Tweet at us. Do you think there yeah. would be not many worms or a lot of worms in <laughs> one in the world of the last dune? <laughs> Yeah. I can go either way, I think. Um But yeah, do we wanna I guess we're gonna we're gonna go in chronological order of premiere. A festival premiere, of course. A the festival only way to do premiere, it on Can I Kick It. Which I believe is the opposite of release date. Um sure. So sure. yeah, we've we've talked about the encounters uh, section at Berlin. The encounter section at Berlin is uh, it has uh, come of age uh, at the same time as our podcast, having started last year. Uh, sure. Right They've before the twice. pandemic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it has uh, been a section where They've they've kind of gotten in some uh, major filmmakers who you might expect to see in a a competition, but uh, I would not necessarily say that Jim Cummings is that. His first movie, Thunder Road, 
premiered at South by Southwest, and then Wolf of Snow Hollow, which he made in the middle of these two movies, uh, which I didn't see, just came out, like, last fall. Um, and yeah, he, he co-directed this film with PJ McCabe, and it definitely, I mean... It's, it is one of the two, uh, American independent films that were in the Encounters section. The other one, which will be out, I feel like later this year, but, uh, we don't have to discuss the scary of 61st. Uh, and so it is interesting not having seen the scary I mean, we don't need to talk about it, but that movie isn't out. It's, uh, yeah, it's not on Shutter yet. Nope. Wow. <laughs> Listen, even your favorite, yeah. even the <laughs> hosts of your favorite film festival podcast have no idea when these movies actually come out. I guess. No, I mean I. I mean, I guess I did. I feel like they said it was going to be end of twenty twenty one. Though I guess it's getting close for them to. Have not announced a nice date. Christmas release on Shutter. Yes. the scary of sixty first. Uh huh. And but uh-huh. it. Oh no! It is coming out. You're pretty close. It's coming out on the seventeenth of December. When Going up against Spider Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spider Man and my grandfather's birthday. Ooh. Happy birthday to your grandfather. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But well, yeah, it is interesting. They they are like. They, they they are like kind of similar like weird sort of sort of conspiracy movies. I guess this that doesn't necessarily describe this as much. Uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, get into the beta test, uh, and, which and the the can you describe the plot of the beta test? I have not watched the beta test. I do not know anything about the beta test. Jesse, can you describe the plot of the beta test? <laughs> I have seen the beta test and also no, I cannot describe the plot of the beta test. <laughs> I found it very, very confusing. Uh, in um, a way that I think is intentional, but... I don't think it's intentional. I just I think, think it's parts of it intentional. I think well, I think it's there are wait okay, so I think there's things about it that are intentional and interesting in, even though they're off putting, and then I think that's kinda muddled by being a little bit poorly plotted. So I have I, I saw Jim Cummings's first feature, uh, which is Thunder Road. I've also seen Thunder Road. Yeah. Which I thought was a pretty strong debut. Um, you know, I wasn't like it, it. It didn't. I didn't think it was perfect, but you know, it seemed like the work of a director and performer who like has some juice, and I found it to be pretty emotionally affecting. Uh, and so. Uh, But, like, the main thing that, like, sticks out about Jim Cummings is that as a director and writer, but then even more so as a performer, 
he has very little interest in realism. Uh, which I think, especially as a performer, is, like, an interesting thing because there there is a lot of emphasis placed on realism in, like, modern American performance. And I don't think this is a case of, like... Like, I wouldn't describe the performances as hammy. It's just he... He's not attempting to portray realistic human behavior, which I find very interesting. I mean, it... It, it reminds me, and I've maybe said this about other things, but it reminds me of my interpretation of what Andy says he likes about musicals, of, like, you kind of can take... And this is more the case with Thunder Road. You kind of can take emotions to a place that cannot really be expressed by realistic human behavior, and he's doing that by... Uh, acting in a way that is more sort of uh, hard to describe rather than doing it via song. It's less clear to what end that performance style is being applied in the beta test, even though I find it still fairly compelling. And then the other thing which we started to get into is that it's a movie that kind of never really tells you how to watch it, and you keep thinking that it's going to tell you how to watch it, and then at the end, it's like, no, you were just supposed to kind of watch it. Um, um, so you can't do a plot summary because you're too confused. Can you give me a premise? Can you get sure, like, what the is premise the setup? Is, yes, the I... setup. I mean, I can sort of give a plot summary, I think. I just don't know okay. any of the character names because I'm bad with character names. Oh, sure. Okay. I mean, who cares? Uh, his name is Jordan Hines. Yeah, Jordan Hines, I guess. Yeah, because they do say it often in the film. But uh, yes. Jordan Hines is played by uh, Jim Cummings, and he is like a mid-tier Hollywood agent. Mm-hmm. And one day he just receives this this like card in the mail the asking just like his sexual preferences and whether he wants to have like a chance like uh, anonymous sexual encounter in a hotel room right and and this comes in that like purple envelope that's on the poster and the other thing that has happened is that there's a prologue to the film in which a woman confesses to her husband having gotten this weird purple letter and gone through with it and then her husband kills her uh somewhat unexpectedly uh, okay so this is maybe revealing of how i watched the film in a way that is maybe like a little bit of a problem but jesse when you watched that segment did it have subtitles Mm-hmm. mine did not for some reason okay so there are multiple <laughs> scenes where people are speaking foreign languages. I, I truly did not understand it. Like, uh-huh. there were just okay. no subtitles, and it, sure. I was just like, there. Ha-, and I found multiple subtitles. All of them would provide English subtitles for the English speak <laughs> language speaking sections of the film, and then the, the sections that were speaking a foreign language, just nothing, nada. Mm. And I was just like, I guess this is 
a choice. <laughs> but these scenes are um, long, yeah, so no. I, I can't not, imagine. Not a choice. Uh, <laughs> that one, that one's on you. <laughs> but yeah, now that you know, that's what happened in that first scene. I mean, uh, I put it together. Eventually, you put it together. It's like I, w- I was just like, yeah, I get. Like contextually, eventually, it starts. Like so, there's like a lot of interstitials of everyone's encounter with the purple envelope. No, just no, like they're different. It ones. happens. Like there's two. the one at the beginning, and then there's one no, there's like later three. on. Sure. There's, I, there's like three, I think. Is there? There's, there's the one yeah. with Twofer. There's the one with uh... Keith Powell from Thirty Rock. Yes. Oh, that's who that is. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then, like the like guy that they're trying to court gets killed, and I think you're sort of led to believe that 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 get him getting killed is sort of has to do with the envelopes also but it's yeah 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 that that's the other main scene that happens uh in a different language that like that scene is in chinese but yes his wife also kills him because she figures out that he cheated on her so yes yeah just 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 to do the basic premise real fast so we can just talk about it it's basically like people are getting these purple envelopes basically to make them cheat on their spouses or or like their spouses to be which in jordan high in this case who is about to get married right and uh, like people seem to be getting killed because of it and then like the mystery is you're you're trying to place like are people getting killed directly some of it? Is there's like some supernatural thing going on or is this just like right. a, a weird non-realistic way of portraying this? And uh, the same, and it, the movie sort of about like, it's like very me too. It's like very much about like, well, it's the- very Hollywood insidery. There's a lot of stuff about uh, packaging, packaging deals. WGA, uh, the WGA. Right. Sure. So like the recent negotiations is like yeah. a main yes. topic. Like okay, mm-hmm. sure. Well, I get the like overarching thing I think they're trying to tie the like packaging thing and the like me too thing is then it's just like the increased irrelevancy of of uh agents and just like whether these people are gonna be like they're gonna have a job in the future or whatever, so these people are like feeling impotent and like are trying to find some way to right. like yes. f- feel some power in this world still or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I just think it doesn't have any handle on it. I just think it's a very dumb movie and I find it very annoying. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a movie that sort of retroactively makes me like Thunder Road less because I watched <laughs> Thunder Road and I was like, oh, this is like a very cool style. I think he's like a very cool, interesting actor, and I, and I think that he has a lot of talent and he can and he can maybe use this to depict different things in an interesting way. And and in Beta Test, I'm just like this this dude is just fucking in love with himself, and I hate this. I just don't, I just don't respond to this at all. I also yeah, think maybe. it doesn't. I don't. I also don't think it has enough of like i think it's obviously trying to be vague about certain things but also i don't think i think that stuff is just masking that i don't think he really had a handle on the topic that he's trying to talk about that that may be true as i said there are many ways in which i find this film compelling um but yeah i it, it is ultimately like a pretty confusing movie in a way that it really ought to resolve by the end and doesn't. 
um yeah and it's also like i I, I, we've talked on on this podcast about my turn with under the silver lake where i used to think it was really good and now i think it's bad and now i'm almost on the side of i think it's good again because i this movie is like playing with so much of the same ideas but i think in a much worse way than it makes me appreciate the sort of yes tone and like (laughs) pitch of under the silver lake like under the silver lake like as much as like uh, the beta test is a movie about me too under the silver lake almost has more sympathy for its female characters than i think this one does i i don't think any of yeah i mean sympathy because i think this movie does have some sympathy i just don't think it like has any interest in portraying any sort of like internal life for these people or any sort of like thought process for them whereas like you get the full nine course meal with the cummings character right yeah and like ultimately it's just like you along with the cummings character spend a lot of the movie trying to figure out why this is happening what's going on what are the motivations behind the person that is doing this and eventually you get like the mechanics of what is happening and i guess you get the motivation which is the motivation that you would expect which is just it's a way for someone to make money uh but it's never i don't think it ever makes sense why this is leading to death i don't think that's ever made uh, explained coherently and like yeah i certainly can see why uh this would give you a greater appreciation for under the silver lake and that they are like weird kind of shaggy mysteries but like under the silver lake despite being intentionally confusing and meandering is vastly more coherent than this is yeah you like exit under the silver lake with like a sense why like even if you don't get a sense of a thousand percent like what is happening you at least get this a thousand percent of why it's happening and this is almost the opposite where by the end you know exactly what is happening but you have no idea why yeah and it's like i think there are moments in which that vagueness is interesting but i don't think it ever arrives to anything i think there are like even though i just like insulted him sort of i think there are moments in which the cummings performance is compelling like there's a lot of scenes of him just trying to like as he tries to like solve this mystery or whatever he just increasingly pretends to be a, like a police officer yes to it's people very funny like... that it is very funny <laughs> that like people were like oh he's finally not playing a police officer because he's a police officer in thunder road and then he does it again in wolf of snow hollow and then like every opportunity he has he will like walk into a building and go like i'm a police officer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And those are like the good. Those are like, those yes. are like very funny bits. Yeah, but, yeah. He's funny in this. He is uh, funny, but uh-huh. it's. But I think when I'm asked to engage with that character as anything beyond funny, I don't think I ever get there. And I yeah. And I think I guess I haven't watched Thunder Road in a while, but it's like, I remember Thunder Road, him like sticking out more. Because, like, I think other people are, like, playing yeah, their characters in that so. movie more sincerely. So he yes. And, like, his character is just, like, the, like, beating heart of it. And it just, like, 
it like reflects in a very interesting way whereas i think in this movie he's asking a lot more people to sort of do the jim cumming thing or like to act uh-huh. in a movie of that style and i don't think anybody but him has a handle on it yes. and i think it comes off as amateur um what is twofer's name again andy keith powell that's keith powell he has a his shorts i think he is good in his short scene i think he like sells it but though i think he sells it and then there's like a bit he does like a lot of off-camera dying sounds that i think are like weirdly not good (laughs) but uh yeah i just think it's uneven i think there's like an interesting movie here maybe I'm I'm also sort of like in a period of my life where just like super insidery Hollywood stuff I just find jerk offy and not very compelling to watch. So I, this is also maybe an maybe a personal thing with this movie, but I also don't no, think, I think it's like there. I don't think think it's like great even despite that. Yeah, I don't know. It's not I not a particularly good example of that. I don't know. I think even after Thunder Road, I I had this take of, I had this thought of just like, I think he should just act in other people's movies. I think he, he should probably find someone who he's like sympathetical with or could like use the, make the best use of his talents. But I, I don't know if I could watch another just like, a thousand percent Jim's coming Jim coming I mean this a... technically isn't he has a co-writer and co-director but it is not clear what he is bringing to the table yeah I mean yeah I, I, I just mean it's like I would like to see him in something that he was not part of did not conceive of or was like right. part of the I mean like voice yeah. he he is in that movie Yes, it's not a big role, but he's in that movie Greener Grass that played Sundance a couple years ago. Uh, and oh, did the... I see that? Is that that's like the weird comedy movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, a bunch I of UCB that. people. Because one, right. the Jocelyn DeBoer who co-wrote and co-directed that movie is the uh, the ex-wife or ex-girlfriend in Thunder Road. Uh, but it's a very different movie. Uh, and yeah, that is a movie where, like, everyone is kind of pitched in a Jim Cummings way. Sure, uh, yeah. yeah. They're doing, yeah, they're definitely doing a... It's like a suburbs, like, yeah. weird, like, thing in that movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Beta Test also made me think, this is just, like, a thing I've been thinking about a lot that is just, like, again, another meat problem, but it's just affected how I watch so many things of just, like... I think digital the quality of digital photography has oh. made it has made it <laughs> has made it very easy for a bunch of people to make stuff that looks sort of decent. So now every yeah every, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Every this looks ta- like this looks like a fake trailer that would air. Yes, on exactly. Like, that is literally exactly my thought. I was just like, this looks like the bit. This is like the bit in a, like an SNL digital sketch before they get to the jokes. That is yes. what this movie looks like, and I find so many things that look like that these days. And I think. I don't know. We should maybe ask SNL that they have to shoot on film or something because it's just like, I think it's truly ruined my conception of stuff like that where every time I'm just like, oh, like, this is like fake. This is like a funnier die sketch, right? Right. I think I think he's like 
20% of the way to weaponizing that. I think he could make a movie where he weaponizes that, but he's not really there, Pierre, because yeah. there's just so much going I on. I mean, it, but... there's, like, moments where I think he weaponizes that, but there's also, like, so much stuff in it that I, it's, like, clearly, like, he wants... There's, like... There's, like, very, like, intricate, like, zooms and, like, pans and stuff right. like that. That it just, like, signaled to me, like, oh, no, he's trying to make, like, a legit movie. This, there's, like... Yes. It's not, like, trying to look sort of fake and junky in a way that I right. would find interesting. He's, it, this is just, like, again, this is just a, maybe a quality of digital photography thing that has sort of flattened out the look of a lot of things. Yes. Uh, but, like, yeah, I don't know. People like this movie, uh, and I did it win I anything said, or like was there are there prizes and encounters I'm not sure there are 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 there encounters prizes there's a first film Jerry which it wouldn't have. let me see uh, I mean I didn't think, it win I believe I mean didn't sixty first win something in sixty first won a first film award is why I said that uh, which sure. was not exclusive to encounters that was from the whole festival uh. I want to say Encounters might be non-competitive. Uh... Yeah. I mean, I guess that while you look for this, like, I guess why I've maybe responded more to Thunder Road and sort of, like, give that give that movie more of the benefit of the doubt is that I think, like, like as you said, like, American f- film and American independent film certainly has, like, an obsession with realism. And especially when depicting places like the place that is depicted in Thunder Road. So him applying his lens, it's like more of like a bigger farcical lens to his performance in a movie like Thunder Road. It reads as more interesting to me because it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have fun in this sort of setting with these sorts of characters. Whereas I've mm-hmm. seen the like Hollywood Lampoon thing a million times in, in that specific pitch and tone. So it just feels like it feels like more the del- uh, derivative in a in a way that I was just frustrated by mm-hmm. and I think yes like given better material I think what he's trying to do in these movies I think probably register better for me than they do in beta test mhm I should correct myself encounters is a competitive section with a jury uh this film did not win anything uh we we've talked about uh both of the best director tie winners uh the girl and the spider and social hygiene and then uh the best film went to uh, a documentary called we by I don't know if it's Alice Diop or Alicia Diop. Uh, I don't know what the French pronunciation of that name is. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's an interesting jury. There are no like directors or actors on it. It's uh, Florence Almazzini from New York Film Festival, and then like another programmer, and then like a uh German intellectual. Hey. Uh, I'd love to see it. So yeah. Interesting group of people. I wonder 
Did it have a jury last year? Okay, so it was a more regular jury last year. It was uh, Domingo Sotomayor, the director, and then uh, another director named Eva Trobisch, and uh, a Japanese producer named Shozo Ichiyama. So, sure. wonder where they will go with that uh, in the future. For sure. I think that's all we got to say about the beta test. Yeah. Do you have anything I mean, else? No, I this would one, say it's, and it, like if people are interested, it's like just on like VOD, right? Yeah, like, it's that's just like, like out. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Um, expect maybe a little more discussion in the future of this encounters section. I'd love to like. I've seen several of the movies. There's more that I probably will see by the end of the year. I would like to, at some point, maybe do, like, a, this is an interesting experiment, and it basically is, like, uh, Carlos Chacharan came over last year from Locarno, and this basically feels like, how can I do a Locarno lineup at a larger festival, except that there are also ways in which the main lineup feels like a Locarno lineup. So yeah, would be interesting to find someone who has thoughts on that to talk about to uh maybe once we have next year's lineups. I don't know. Uh yeah. We can figure it out. So uh, do we want to move on to Jump ahead in the calendar by months. Months we hit to... Berlin where the anticipated title Dune Venice. premieres. Venice. Out, what did I say? You said Berlin, Berlin again. Yep, that was in February. Uh, would be a <laughs> silly place to premiere Dune. Um, Especially if it was still coming out in October. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, premiered at Venice, out of competition, hotly anticipated, I saw it at the Toronto Film Festival. Yes. Uh, in the uh, what's it called? The Cineplex IMAX theater. Uh, yes. I was at the IMAX premiere of the film, which Denis Villeneuve was very excited about. Sure. Um, and it is a perfectly fine movie that I have nothing to say about. But I'm under the impression that you two like it more than me and have things to say about it. Yeah, I quite was taken with Dune when I saw it. I saw it at my local IMAX, the the Cinemark Tinseltown IMAX in Rochester, New York. Um, I saw it with my dad, which was a very nice experience. He, you know, I think that's like a classic thing to do, I feel like, is like, go see Dune with your dad. My dad, like, had read the book, but didn't really remember it or anything. Sure. I can't Um, imagine anything that my dad would like to do less than see Dune. Sure. Um... (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, it was Warner Brothers like big like festival play this fall was Dune right? They were p- trying to pull a Joker with it or whatever. Um, I guess it was not so, in competition but yeah. At Venice. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say the the reception out of Venice was like mixed positive. Yeah, and then I feel like it got I mean, more positive. The reception out of Venice is like a classic. The stars are out in Venice. 
Sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and and if you're like trying to figure out like what how people feel about the movie, it's like oh, it's good, right? Yeah. Um, which I guess both these next two movies like sort of had that similar reception, where like buzz increased as more regular type critics who weren't at the film festival got to see it. Um, yeah. The other one much more than this. One, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and, and so, uh, it's also, you know, famously the, uh, Warner Brothers thing where they're putting everything out on HBO Max at the same time, day and date, that, like, Denny Villeneuve was, like, real mad about it, wrote an op-ed, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, that happened, uh, yep. but then it, um, it opened, and it did pretty well, it did, like, the best of anything Warner Brothers has put out, basically, in this format with the with the HBO Max. Um, I thought it didn't do better than Godzilla versus Kong. Maybe. Um it was among the best at the yeah, very least. For sure. Yes. It did pretty it did w- very well. Well, let's say well considering it was day and day. Yes. Um Yeah, so I went to see it like I I didn't I wa- I wasn't able to go until like the Tuesday after it opened because I think we were like I had to watch like a bunch of movies for the podcast and stuff so I I I didn't see it on the opening weekend but I went on like a Tuesday evening at the IMAX and it was still very full and it was like a really fun experience it was like one of the more like I can really feel the audience like turning over to this movie experiences that I've had since the pandemic like i i really felt like the audience was like really like listening and really like wrapped up in it all and um and yeah like with the imax like aspect ratio changes and stuff it was it was just like a real like cinematic experience that i really really valued on top of thinking that the movie itself i think is like very well done and well made sure. yeah uh dune opened higher than godzilla kong but is currently 15 million dollars behind it which i'd imagine is overall or like at the same point in its uh i uh, overall i don't know but i would imagine it's not going to make another 15 million dollars yeah probably not i think godzilla Um, versus kong also like killed overseas but uh right also it was like the only thing going for yeah, when it came out for like so. yes, three months. That or is correct. Uh, um, it did indeed. It has made over a hundred million dollars more. Handy. Worldwide. Yeah. What's the premise of Dune? So the premise of Dune is that House Atreides uh, has been given this um, has been given essentially the control over the the spice mining operation on the planet Arrakis. By the Emperor, who we never see. We don't ever see the Emperor of this uh, far future. Right. Um, Have uh, the Emperor been cast? Or is that like... No, I don't think so. That's like, like, I think people are like, oh boy, who's it going to be? Like, that's I feel like I heard a suggestion where I went like, ooh, that's good. Uh, but I forget who it was. Yeah. So this like noble house who like has ruled somewhere uh for a while, like is has been given this like assignment. And uh, it's been taken away from... What's the other house's name? The Harkonnen. The Harkonnen. The Stellan Skarsgård, who is a uh, large, bald uh, man who can float. Um, (laughs) And uh, and he's not happy about it. 
but they they go and they start to get like set up on arrakis which and so spice is like um it's a substance which when mined they can use to essentially it like it gives you like super focus it's like a miracle drug or whatever and so it like is what allows uh interplanetary space travel like people can only do that while they are on spice otherwise they will like blow up the ships or whatever um and there's like these native people who live on on arrakis who like are like you know natural like part of the world the framing like, the, the framing thank you um uh and our 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 main Artrades, Paul Artrades, played by Timothy Chalamet, uh has been having visions of uh Zendaya, um, who is one of the Freeman. Um, although he doesn't know that when he's having visions of her. Um also at the same time <laughs> you guys know there's a lot of shit that happens in Dune. Yes, yeah. um, why, this is why boy, I told you. Boy is there. <laughs> Paul's mother who is part of the Bene Gesserit. Jessica? Uh, Jessica, yes, played by um, Rebecca... Ferguson. Ferguson, thank you. Rosa um, Yes, she's... Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, she uh, she has uh, ha- given birth to Paul as a boy, which was, like, against what Charlotte Rampling, who is, like, the head priestess of the Bene Gesserit, wanted her to do. Um, and, uh, and she is, like, teaching Paul, uh, like, mind powers. So he is, like, not only is he, like, the heir to, like, his father, the, um, the Duke played by Oscar Isaac, um, his, like, whole, like, kingdom or whatever, he is also, like, potentially gonna have all these, like, special, like, religious messiah powers, right? Well, he's and the Quebec so... cataract. We all know this. The shortening <laughs> sure. of the way. Emilio's in love with all the, the, the vocab yeah, from that Dune. That is maybe my main take on Dune, is that I just like <laughs> saying the things. I like saying <laughs> Bene Gesserit. I like saying the Quebec cataract. I like saying the Gom Jabbar. Yeah. Uh, I have not mm-hmm. quite picked up on all the, the, the language as much yet, but maybe by the end of this conversation, I'll, I'll be there. Also, um, to, also, to be clear, Charlotte Rampling is mad because there was right. supposed to be one more generation bet- before the boy before was born the, before who was going to be the messiah who was going to was going to be the Quidak Haderach and sure. she and she accelerated the process of creating him right so she's mad at Rebecca Ferguson for doing that although Rebecca Ferguson's like I'm right he like he's doing well or whatever and so yeah. he can like he has like Voice powers, where if he speaks in a certain way, whoever he's speaking to will do whatever he tells them to. He has these visions. He also, like, is getting, like, combat training from Josh Brolin, and um, Stephen McKinley Henderson is there. What's Josh Brolin's character's name? That's a good question. Like, uh, Bobbis or something. Yeah, I, it's something. Because we all know Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa himself. Right, yeah. Duncan Idaho, uh, Paul's friend, who's like a great warrior. Um, Josh Brolin is Gurney, <laughs> Gurney Hollick. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, of course, playing Thufir Hawat. Um, uh-huh. uh, if we are going to bring up Duncan Idaho, I can give my singular take on the movie, which is sure. that... Uh, Watching the movie, I was like, is Momoa bad in this? He seems entirely in a different movie. And then pretty quickly, I was like, no, I'd much rather be watching the movie that he's in than the movie everyone else is in. 
I think he's toned. I think he's toning down the mom, the my man a little. Sure. I, I don't. I not, guess. It's certainly not Aquaman levels. I mean, I've not I, seen Aquaman. It's I, still. He's certainly not a Timothy Chalamet type. No, he's not in that zone. Sure. I mean, and it everyone is else very is funny. in that. Zone. I was because, like, but one I think of the... the entire like the entire. That oh, that whole character is everybody being like Duncan Idaho. He's the man. He's gonna do right. it. He's the guy we have to do the thing. So he yeah. sort of has to be bigger than everybody else. I guess. Yeah. Um. I I did like the trailer used a lot of like his first scene because it's like one of the only. It's one of the scenes where it's like light and fun and seems like a fun like a fun good time at the. I mean, it was part of the New York Film Festival trailer. So I I've seen that line a trillion times of just like. Oh sure. Everything good happens when you're awake or whatever. Right. But I did, like, in that tra- in the tra- trailer, it's like, it's very funny because they cut, like, they cut it down a little bit. And so he just, like, pats Timothy Chalamet, like, four different times. Like, just, like, does physical contact with him a bunch of times in the scene. I'm like, what are you doing in this scene? I think it's a little bit better in the actual scene where it has a little more room to breathe. Yeah, maybe. But... I, just, um, I think yeah. that's the basically the plot. There's some like machinations. Right. Happening. Yeah. They. They're right. There's that's all this the stuff that the the Stellan Skarsgård starts like sabotaging them. Eventually, the House Atreides like suffers like devastating losses, including like Oscar yeah. Isaac and basically everyone who's in the leadership. So only Timothy Chalamet and Rick I actually Ferguson I was out. just because I was reading about uh, who this emperor guy is. I was also reading other stuff about Dune, and apparently. Uh, Josh Brolin and uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson are still alive. Oh, I, I was mean, wondering that they don't show yeah. them die. They, I mean, they don't. Show they don't them die. I guess not. So yeah, they they're that, that, in the uh, the second half of the book. That was like they're a gonna pop back up. Yeah, that was like a classic. Like unless I see like the knife in somebody's back, I you, you shouldn't believe sure. that somebody's dead or whatever. Probably, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sort of mixed on the movie. I think there's a lot of cool elements, but also it's like, I think most of the stuff I think is good from this movie. I'm like, I think I got this in Arrival in Blade Runner 2047. Like all of the crazy cool design elements, the cinematography, the like cool shots. I most, I think the performances, I don't want to say they're all over the place because I don't think that's a good way to describe what my problem with it is. I just think a lot of people are at, are being asked to do different things because I think a lot of people are like, Maybe. oh, Denis Villeneuve, he did it. He made Dune Hollywood. He made it accessible. And I feel like he's asking some people to make it accessible and then he's asking other people to not make it accessible. And I think that is like where my weird feelings with the movies lie mm-hmm. where it's just like i can sometimes I, I can sometimes feel the like you know dune like for you for the kids <laughs> and, and energy energy popping up sometimes and i find that intermittently annoying but i think on the whole the movie is like pretty good to all right yeah i mean i like you know, the word on this coming out, especially from Jesse, was like, oh, it, like, doesn't really have an ending, right? It's not, like, an effective... And I, and I was, like, kind of surprised at how effective I found it as a standalone movie, as, like, an examination of Paul and, like, 
like tracking him as like as as someone who is like not yet prepared to be a leader and then by the end of the movie he like takes those steps and and becomes the leader and like makes that like i feel like that arc was like really foregrounded in a smart way that i really was like excited to sort of see where it was going it's obviously playing with like a lot of like classic ideas of like chosen ones or whatever like and and, you know yeah people have been talking about that but i think it like it does do it i think in a really interesting way and a a really um in a really compelling way that i think does sort of give it a good shape as a standalone film yeah and then i mean because it's like i think i agree with you with like the way that jesse described it i thought it was it was just gonna be like they just cut in the middle of the scene (laughs) <laughs> where it's where where it's more like it's almost as just like this is like the pilot where it's it's just like sure yeah they're like clearly there is more story this is just like the beginning of the story but we're going to find some point to be like well now you know what to expect from the thing coming up and to like i get- mean that maybe is part of part of what my problem is is that like you're right that it kind of feels like this is the pilot, but the pilot is usually like, let's uh, like the first tenth or twentieth or some infinitesimal amount of the story. This is half of the story, and it just feels paced very well, strangely to me. I think they want to make well. The... <laughs> oh, they want wants is... to make okay. Dune Messiah. I think is like the final All of right. these movies, at least. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I, I, uh, my other problem I is I don't find be. Chalamet compelling in it. Uh, oh, it's maybe I my mean, favorite Chalamet performance. I, I, uh, mean, I have. I think there's a very clear best Chalamet performance that also happened this year. I mean, uh, Chalamet. We'll talk about Chalamet later. is the person who I'm the most like. From scene to scene, you can see Villeneuve being like, "Okay, so this is Dune, so you need to play this like weird sci-fi thing in a very interesting, compelling way." And then the next scene, you have to be like, "Okay, you need to be relatable. You need to be like the person that teens like identify with, and you need to be like, be like jokey and fun." And I feel like that's it does it very unevenly, and I can't. And it's like tough to reconcile for me with me sometimes yeah. like it when it happens on a like character to character basis i can at least like excuse that as just like well this is this person's character and this is this other person's character so if like duncan idaho is funner than like gurney halleck or whatever the fuck i, just, <laughs> I already forgot his name then that's just like yeah, it makes it makes sense with what, it, what what these characters are supposed to be and like maybe it's like a little off the tone of the general movie but i can you can at least like extend the goodwill of just like those are different individual characteristics but chalamet being the lead i think he's being pulled in a lot of different directions that i don't know work with one another Mm -hmm. i think like i think i think he is good at doing both i just it just I just can't think of that character as being both in a way that mm-hmm. just sort of makes the movie not track as like an individual thing for me. Like if, like if all of this was just to like find the tone for the second one and the second one really has like a, ha- a solid grasp on that. And like, it's sort of, it, it's like, it uses this one to get all of that like weird character stuff out of the way to just tell a solid story about this person. Then I, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll really like the second one, but this just, this first one does feel like a lot of setup in a way 
that I guess I don't need that much payoff necessarily, but it's just like asking me to hold on to a lot of things. And then, and by the end, I just felt like my hands were full. Mm. Right. Like, ultimately, yes, maybe this will look a little bit better if the second one, like, pulls off everything it's promising. But I still think that, like, he could make a really good second half and you could watch them back to back without knowing they were made three years apart and you'd still be like, first half of this is a little shaky. I mean, sure, that would be like a six-hour experience, though, probably, right, is the thing. Like, it's I quite guess. long. Um, uh, although, yeah. I mean, that's um, my problem, is, like, if you're going to make a six-hour thing, two, two and a, a five-hour, five to six-hour thing, two halves seems like a very silly way to split it up to me. Be more creative. Sure. <laughs> My my pitch has been it should have been like they should have done it all at once and then they should have put out I mean, like sure. an hour every other month for a year. In movie theaters? In movie theaters. Sure. And you would just like buy like a Dune Pass and like get it punched every time you went to the theater sure. or something? Sure, yeah. I mean, this like... This movie almost didn't come out in a theater, so that, that, would, I, that would have been like an even bigger... Yeah. Um, jump. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. They should have shot both at once. Like, it's very silly that they didn't shoot both at once, I think. But, uh, you know, right. they're making the next I mean, one. It so- right. It sounds like he wanted to, and they were just like, no. Right. Um, right. The next one's coming out, like, exactly three years from when the first one came out or whatever. Sure. Or is it two years? Something like that. Um, I think two, but two. I feel like there was maybe a question about does he actually have time to do this? Sure. They're, like, does, shooting, like... Does he have this. other projects? Oh, Shallow. No, it's just a matter... Oh. No, I mean Villeneuve. It's just a matter of, like, can Villeneuve right. it's actually It's a big movie that takes a long time it. to make, yeah. yeah. Well, it is about time. I mean, presumably, it's a lot easier now. Sure. Um, I guess I don't know how, if there's, like, a lot of locale changes and stuff in the second half of Dune. I've never read Dune. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea what happens in the second half of Dune. Like, I it, although it did, like, I'm like, should I read Dune? Like, should I should, should I get really into this? Like, I, I mean, the one thing I got from it was like, I think this world is cool. They got a lot of interesting like languages and like ways of speaking yeah. and stuff. I, but it's yeah. just like as I like a setup. I think what what it is most effective of as is a setup for this world and just like. A piece yeah. about like the machination, sure. like, the way this world works, and like the look and shape of it. I just don't. As just like a character story, I don't know if it works as an right. a whole movie. Yeah, I mean that is maybe just the thing is I'm generally not especially activated by like space operas. Um, they sure. sound fun in theory, and then I'm always like, eh. yeah, I yeah. Well, and yeah, I'm like they're doing like a Bene Gesserit like hbo max show so like we'll see that he's sure. gonna like direct the first episode of apparently or whatever like i'm right. interested to see what that is like i do think like if they really like go deep on like this thing universe. this hbo max thing where everything needs to have a fucking show i don't yeah. know it's Cut great it out. i love it stop it 
No. Expand your universes, everyone. No. I don't, I, don't need, I, I don't need this freaking pe- Peacemaker show. That, that wasn't an especially egregious one because I think he's like the worst part of that movie. But I, I don't know if I need a, a like even I, right now I said I like the saying Bene Gesserit a lot and I like the Quizak, saying Quizak Hyderak a lot and I don't think I need a fucking Bene Gesserit TV show. And I don't think I need a, a TV show to come out of the Batman or whatever they're planning there also. Sure. It's just too much. I just don't it's know. A I, lot. Yeah, I don't need this. I feel... a, this is like more than Netflix levels of just like vertical integration of just like we need hours for people to consume a, a, of everything. And it's just like, I guess there's like maybe something there with some of it. Like, I guess like making a like Gotham set TV show is not the worst idea, even though they already made a mediocre one. <laughs> right. But yeah. uh, I feel like the Bene Gesserit are like specifically designed to be shadowy figures that exist on the periphery. Yeah. What, what happens right. when we turn the focus to them? I'm intrigued to find out. Is Charlotte I mean, Rampling if it's like a wacky that comedy veil? about like what happens when we focus on the Bene Gesserit. Then right. sure. What if it's just about them making that veil that Charlotte Rampling wears the whole time? I mean, I think that would be very cool. Uh, listen, I'd love to say Charlotte Rampling star of an HBO Max original. <laughs> <laughs> that would... <laughs> Come on, send her on a whole press tour. <laughs> really have her no, work the late no, night circuit. They they don't want her doing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think she's the person you want quotes from. But uh... no. <laughs> what? Come on, Charlotte Rampling very nearly lost herself an Oscar nomination on the Forty Five Years Press Tour. Well, no, I mean, she certainly lost herself any chance once she was nominated, right? Like right. She, yeah. Um, uh, yes. I do think she's extremely good in the movie, and I love that she I never think takes she's, off her I, veil. I think she's good in it. I think that's like that's like classic good, like weird side sci-fi performance. I like all the hard yeah. and I like whatever the fuck uh, Batista and uh, Skarsgård are doing. That just like weird... Oh right, and uh, David uh, Malshian too is really good. uh, I like Bardem. I'm into what he's doing. Bardem. I mean, it's like a classic. It is crazy that people keep showing up in this movie. You're like, oh my god, it's Bardem now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I, I, it's like you can tell it's coming from like a book, because it, because all of those side characters and stuff come in, and they're like instantly very like compelling and like rich and i like all of those performances and it's like weirdly it's like the center of the movie that i have an issue with but every time some like weird person comes in i'm like hey bardem hey dalmatians hey rampling doing your stuff Henderson, your eyes go white. What's going on? Oh, you're a computer? That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely needs more Stephen McKinley Henderson. Always. I think, it, yeah. Give him an HBO Max spinoff. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, Shang yeah. Chen is weird, I guess. I don't know if that part, like, fully works. Um, yeah. But, uh... It's that he's in it. Yeah, it's good. Know. Great, good for. I mean, good for Chang Chan getting a check. I'll certainly know. Yeah. No hate on that side. I'm just like I don't know yeah. if that character is fully doing what the movie wants him to. Sure. But it's like a classic thing where it's just like I'm excited for two. I think two could be like yeah. a really cool, interesting, like weird thing, especially because I have since after this movie heard about some of the stuff that is in the second half of Duna. I'm like, 
it would be crazy if he could pull this off. This sounds very crazy. This sounds yeah. very not like what almost read is too standard a film for me in the first Dune. So mm-hmm. excited to see that. I just I just can't like fully be over the moon for the first for just Dune. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm also very curious. Like, do they do the same like festival run with part two, or like I'm I'm curious I if they're so. it if seems they, like, like it worked fine. Yeah, Village it's like yeah. Pissed. I mean, it was originally supposed to be Christmas last year, and I wonder how that would have done. I wonder if that would have not gone as right. well. Like, I feel like October is like a really good like window to like stick this in. Probably, Although I guess yeah. that's like what they tried with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and that was a disaster. Um, I thought I thought that it was going to be October last year, and then there was a point at which they went maybe Christmas, and then they were like maybe. No, October. I mean, this movie's had this is a classic pandemic has had nineteen release dates, so who the fuck knows? Yeah, but uh, sure. I don't know. I mean, it's like it like benefited from October, but also everything fucking came out in October. So that's it, true. It, it sort of got swallowed, just like everything else. Right. Yeah. But, but Dune. Speaking of released in October and swallowed completely. Yeah, maybe the most swallowed movie <laughs> of this October. Yeah, a movie I did not see. Uh, um, the last yeah. one. More because I hate the director than because it got swallowed up. Sure. Ridley Scott's back, folks. He's doing it. He's making movies. He's got another one on the way. Reviews have been starting to drop for House of Gucci. We're not talking about that because it hasn't played a festival. But we are going to talk about The Last Duel, which did play at Venice. I think that was it, right? It didn't play anywhere else, really, no. right? I want to say it did, like, uh, what's that one in California, maybe? Oh, the... Um... Millville. Oh, I forget what it's called. Millville, yeah. Mill Valley. Like Maybe it might have done that, or like Maybe. one of those types of festivals. Yeah. Sure. But Chicago, um, Maybe. Yeah, I guess it it might have done some local festivals though. It did come out pretty close after, like it came out like October fourth. Yeah. It. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, yep, it played Chicago. Uh, like the day before it came out it looks like yeah so classic festival stuff here's the thing about the last duel it's really fucking good folks it's like (laughs) it's a great movie it's like classic they don't make them like this anymore just like good script good acting some good stuff in it looks good i'm not the biggest ridley scott fan i think i'm like sort of on jesse's wavelength on that and that like I don't think his thing specifically does for him, does it for me. But I think it's like a classic. He got a good script, and I don't think he's like a bad director, so he didn't tank it. It's just like he like did the thing, and it's very compelling. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I do think he's very material dependent. He's directed some movies that I love. And some movies that I don't care about at all. Yes. Uh, to be clear, he has also directed some movies that I love, uh, like, 40 years ago. Sure. I mean, I guess Prometheus is the most recent one sure. that I, like, love, I guess. But, yeah, he's made, he, he you know, he's ma- always make a movie. He's making so many movies all the time. Yep. Um, but, um, but, yeah, this yeah. one, you know, written by... 
Damon and Affleck, their first screenplay since Goodwill Hunting, which is wild. They, I uh, mean, and they, also, yeah, they made the sandwich, and then you you put a little bit of that Nicole Holofcener sauce on, and it. then you're right, and then you bring in Nicole Holofcener to write the last third of your screenplay and really bring everything home. Um, they wrote it in that crazy way where apparently. Matt and Ben wrote the male perspective sections, and Nicole Hall of Center wrote the female perspective section. Uh, which, the, you know, the, I guess I mean you've been around this, so I assume you know like the how it's structured. It's like three parts. Yeah, it's, yeah. I know the last one is Comer. I don't know. I, is is it Damon and Driver? The yeah. other two. It's, That's right. It's, 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 and the then tr- Affleck is the more clearly supporting role. Yes. It's yeah. Like the truth according to each of their character right so it's right yeah, it's except then for the last one it's the truth according to jody comer and then jody comer's Com- name fades away so it just says the truth for a second <laughs> <laughs> in case you didn't get it <laughs> that you need to believe women <laughs> and you it, like this movie it's so good i mean <laughs> that specific part is like very it's like very funny but it's like funny in like a like a late period spielberg thing of just like this yeah movie, it's like this yeah, movie's it's like good very you don't you didn't need that obvious. you didn't need that it's like it's like classic scorsese rat thing of just like <laughs> of just like listen this movie was good up to this point we all got it we didn't need this we, we all get where this movie's coming from uh, <laughs> but they really want to make sure everyone gets it. So but you yeah. know what, whatever. The basic no, plot. No to the basic plot is uh, Jody. Co- what is Jody Comer's character's name? That's a good question. Let me look up all the character names because I don't know any of them. I know. I know John the Carouge is a is a Damon. So John the Carouge is like this knight during the like Crusade right. era. Marguerite. Yeah, like this knight during the Crusade sure. era. And he's married to Marguerite, played by Jodie Comer. Well, he become he like engages. He, he like, gets a, yeah, he's like engaged. He becomes engaged and then eventually marries. Gets and a dowry, a whole thing. Dowry. What is uh, Driver's character's name? Uh, Jacques Legree. Jacques. Okay, Legree. Yeah, that's what I remember. So Jacques Legree is friends of John the Carouge. They're like partners in battle or whatever, and. Eventually, Legree, since he's like the smarter one of them, or like the more charming one of them, becomes friends with Affleck, who is like the like lord of this area of England. No, France, right? It is France. Yeah, yeah. And he's like the king's cousin, yeah. or whatever, like that sort of. So, deal. like jealousies ensue as like Legree gets more preferential treatment, and he gets like more respected by people and and the lord, and gets like. Uh, property that should belong to Damon by marriage but since but since uh Affleck is the lord of the entire place he gives some of it to Legree who's the driver and those like jealousies event those jealousies I get I get right they like like they're like they have like a friendship breakup at some point and like also Legree becomes very jealous of uh, Marguerite, he like starts coveting her essentially, um, and then he goes uh, uh, um, uh, because they're having like money troubles and stuff. Uh, Matt Damon is like away a bunch, and so at one point when he's away, Legree shows up and he rapes Jodie Comer, Marguerite, 
Um, and uh, she then tells Damon about it, and like they then pursue legal recourse, which in this society means that the man can sue the other man for like violating his, his property, wife, or violating his, right, yeah. violating his property. And then the way they settle it is they're going to do a duel, and the person who lives is the person who is correct, uh, because God will only let the true person win. And if Damon loses, that means that Marguerite has lied, and so she will be put to death as well. Okay, so what does the movie do to compl- to complicate this dumb shit that you've just explained? Well, I mean, it's like... I think its use of perspective is actually very interesting. Like the first segment, yeah. the first segment is Damon's segment, and it's like you can see the movie from his perspective, which is like some like Taken style action revenge movie where he's like, "I'm a great warrior, and everybody disrespects me, even though I'm like the person who was like putting this like kingdom on my back to like defend stuff, and it's okay. leading to like these repeated offenses on people's part." Uh, uh, on my behalf mm-hmm. because they think they can just like take what is mine and do whatever they want with me and then it like cuts to the second segment and which is driver segment and then you can immediately see it's like oh everybody just thinks Damon's character is a fucking idiot and nobody respects him and everybody's just like yeah everybody's just like like why is he asking like this look at this dumb motherfucker why is he trying to do this and they da- and like driver's like segment it takes this tone of more like is this this like weird erotic thriller where he's just like sort of trying to be friends with damon and advocating on his part but also he really wants marguerite and also he really just like likes having sex and likes being friends with affleck and then the comer section is just like well this is how i feel about the whole thing which is just like these two dumb idiots both get to play their game and i'm just like a pawn in it and right. I have complicated feelings about sure. that in my like, in my like perspective. Uh, yeah. And I have so little agency, of course, like that I like can't. Yeah. Like there's not like, like I you know I I don't know what I want really, but like I don't it's you know the way things are going, I think you know my what my feelings are being like just you know discounted or whatever. Yeah. Um. And I think it's like a really fine tonal balance because. It never changes the events as they're being depicted, which I think is a very interesting thing for this for this sort of movie. Like, it doesn't do the Rashomon thing of just like, well, mm. well, what happens in this person's perspective is like a, just like a completely different story that they're telling. It's like, no, the movie stays pretty faithful to like, this is the exact this exact same things happen, but we're just portraying them from this person's perspective so you just like get more of their pov on the situation so it's like even in the driver segment him his rape of comer is depicted as like a rape it's not like from his perspective he's just having like nice cool sex with somebody or like she becomes into it or or she like becomes into it i it it's more like trying to draw this line of just like people get to play their games and there's always a perspective not being heard in this sort of like society of of the people who are actually being hurt and people are just like playing these agreed perspectives but more than that i just think it's like very well performed i think driver gives a great performances i think damon 
is giving in a pretty great performance. It's like, I think peop- a lot of people have talked about this. of just like, it's weird how good Damon is at playing just like the exact sort of dumb doofus that everybody thinks he is IRL. Of just like people being like, this is just a dumb person who says bad quotes. And he just like, he has it a very incredibly compelling take on that. Comer, I think is good. I, like, obviously that's like a very like, what like more muted performances than I think the guy they're giving but I think she like executes it extremely well and like you do get her personality she is like more than a victim you do see like what she wants out of this whole thing and how that's complicated due to her role in society Affleck is really fun Affleck is just like a horny dumb dumb idiot lord right he's like Matt Damon's no fun. I don't like him. Like, that sort of thing. That's, like, like, sort of his perspective. Yeah, the movie's, like, funner than you think it is. I think it's the perfect... Like, the premise is... It's, like, obviously an extremely dour premise, but I think it's, like, made very entertainingly, and there are moments of just, like, fun bits that I think the movie then gets to comment on just like well look this isn't actually, like, a fun thing, like, what these guys are doing, but it sort of lets you, like... Eat, ha, like bake the cake and eat it too of just like yeah you get to like laugh at it but then you also get to be like ah that's a, like a, a rough thing that's happening to these people <laughs> and i don't know i was just sort of taken by it it's i, I just think it's very well made and well executed and it, i just like I, yeah I, and like i think like there's like there's a lot. There's like. There's some a lot of fun stuff. I think there's like there. Alex Lothar plays like the king is like a total like fop and ridiculous person, which is a lot of fun. There's like just enough like the right amount of him I think in the movie. Um, there's all this stuff about Marguerite and like her friendships and like her like her support circle, even like the other women around her. Like they immediately turn on her when like she's like trying to share this like awful thing that she's gone through. Um, uh, and her mother-in-law is, like, awful to her. Um, she's played by Harriet Walter. Um, yeah, I think it's just, like, a really, like, the perspective stuff, I think, is, like, yeah, is interesting and not, like, necessarily done the way you would 100% expect when you hear the premise. And all the, like, set dressing and side stuff is, like, all all of it is, like, popping in a really interesting and exciting way. And then... Like, all th- all three stories, like, cut off just before the duel until you get to the last one, where it then just is the duel. And the duel is so cool. Yeah, the duel, really is, the duel is fucking sick. When, the last, when you get to the last <laughs> duel in the last duel, it's really fucking good. It's, like, an extremely well-executed, tense action sequence with a lot of back right. and forth. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just, like, like on really the edge of your seat. And it's, which is, like, not what I expected. Like, the movie... It's so it's such like not that much of an action movie though. Like, it's like a little bit of that in the Damon section, but the Damon section is the first, so you you so you just like generally forget that that's like a thing that the movie can do. So then it just gets to like a fifteen minute knockout drag out fight in which you're at the edge of your seat, and it's excellent. And it just like ends on a high note, though. I guess it has like ten more minutes. Like well, it has like five more minutes after that that are sort of unnecessary, but uh. It's just entertaining. It's like sort of what I'm looking for in a movie right now. It's just like well made. I had a good time. Yeah. Would watch again. It's like a big Hollywood entertainment. If if it played on cable, I'd watch it. Though obviously there's like 
stuff on in this sort of movie. Yeah, I mean, I do think that this would be a fun one to like. Yeah, like to jump into partway through yeah. or whatever. So Whenever like, it's on Blu-ray or whatever, I'll de- I'll like watch it and like just go to the last duel and be like, look at this shit. It's like bloody. <laughs> it's like violent. It's like, I don't know. It's having more fun than you're expecting it to, but it's also not frivolous. I guess that's how I would describe it. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I definitely do that. Like it's, I've maybe said these even on the podcast before. It's a little bit of a, like an, I get it movie, you know, with the, like the thing with the truth and like the way that it's like leading up to like Marguerite's perspective and that sort of thing. Like, uh, are you, are you preaching to the choir? Just telling me things I already know, but like, it's still like all the other stuff is just so excellent and fun and like enjoyable that like that doesn't really matter that much to me, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, if there was any solid art, like, criticism of the movie i feel like marguerite probably could stand to be like 20 percent more of a character and just like have a little bit more like not to do but to like play but i don't know it's hard because i think the movie is clearly trying to talk about like this sort of like victimhood and this sort of like a woman's perspective on like the follies of men or whatever so it sort of like would struggle to have her participate in that more but you know there's always space to give those people a little more to do yeah but i think that's all we have to say about the last duel yeah i mean yeah strong recommend if it's still it might still be playing with it might be like a second run theater i think it's like out on vod like, like next week i think literally yeah I, I think it's the end of the month sure. yeah maybe but if yeah if it's in a theater watch it it so it can at least get to like 20 off a hundred budget or whatever yeah god it's boy did it lose money holy shit (laughs) it was a flopzilla yeah i mean Um, you might be able to see it it is not currently playing on my local 20 screen multiplex Right. I think it is weirdly still playing at my, like, <clears throat> theater that plays both indies and yeah, studio that's stuff. Yeah, that's the same situation here sure. where, where it's, like, it, it like, weird, it like left the, the like, normal theaters, but it is weirdly playing the art house here still. So I, I don't think it's in the Landmarks here either. Anyway. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I described it as, like, I had a conversation with people about it, and we just kind of just, it was just, like, I don't think it's as good as Widows, but it's sort of this year's Widows in that it's a movie that was like sort of marketed weirdly because it's like this weird mix of exciting and dour. So they just had no idea what to do with it. So they just put it out there and it flopped because nobody because if like if yeah. you're not like that into like the production history or the people behind it, if you just watch a trailer, you're just like, why the right. fuck would I watch this? Right. And I feel like they weirdly didn't do like. I didn't. I don't remember seeing anyone doing the interviews. I guess they don't want Damon on the interview circuit these days because he keeps putting his foot in his mouth for shit. And like, I but yeah, it's I, like Affleck is in it and he wrote it, and people seem to fucking love Affleck right now. You could put Affleck out there, make him give some interviews. Put Drive. I mean, like, I, maybe yeah. maybe Driver is just like balancing like post. Like he's like he decided to just junk it for Annette, and then he'll do it for Gucci since that might be more of an Oscar play so maybe he just didn't want to do Last Duel. I guess Last Duel just like generally feels like a movie that was tossed off by sort of everyone behind it in a way that right. is maybe a little right. unfair to Affleck's it. got Tender Bar coming up, Damon had Stillwater, like yeah. everyone Affleck, just got like... Affleck also seems very busy having sex with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, maybe that is. But you could get sure. him on freaking Zoom or whatever. I don't know. Right. <laughs> 
I guess every everybody was just like I guess everybody behind the and like even the studio was just like yeah this is maybe a wash and it's just like this this might be the this might be Damon's best performance this year that I guess I haven't seen Stillwater which some people like he's great in Stillwater he's having a really good year but uh it's it's like certainly I think I pr- I'm almost sure it's gonna be a better movie than House of Gucci so I so it's like Ridley Scott should have. You could focus more on this. I guess Hollow Center is now just like oh, oh, I get to make my own movies now again, and she's making a movie. right. She's making another yeah. JLD Louis Dreyfus JLD movie, yeah, which is yeah. exciting. So I get it's just like yeah, everybody left it by the wayside, which is a shame because it's really fucking good, and people should watch it. But anyway, I think that's all. Do we want to? Yeah, let's wrap up the show. All right. Um. Uh, yeah. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at, uh, C I K I Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at JCP Glick Weber. Weber has two B's. I believe I have, uh, I am of the belief that I have two funniest people left to plug. I'm gonna do both of them this week and fucking get this shit over with. Uh, <laughs> have you learned a lesson, Jesse, about doing these long-running bits? No, place? I'm sure I'll do it again last year, because the first one was great. Uh, um, yeah, so... Uh, first, I'm gonna say, uh, Wes Anderson, and go see French Dispatch. It's absolutely, uh, astonishingly good. It's his best movie in 20 years, and we'll be talking about it a lot more later. Uh, and then, what's his, uh, number- What's- hmm? What's the movie that- was it, 20 years ago? Yeah, what's the movie that it's <laughs> the best in Tenenbaums? Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's that is remains his best movie. I guess, I guess that is exactly twenty years movie. ago, right? That's a one. It is exactly twenty years ago. Yep. I actually I could see rewatching both and thinking that French Dispatch is his best movie pretty easily. Um, and then yeah, uh, number ten, uh, Jesse Catherine Weber, who you can see performing improv on Monday nights at. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash school through the rest of the year. You're so mad. This isn't, no. this, this isn't quite Leftovers as your number one movie of the decade. Like, side-eye, but uh, <laughs> it's approaching it. Alright, so this is Cullen's step again. Uh, this is maybe breaking some sort of editor's code that I shouldn't interfere after we've all recorded and I may be not even allowed to uh, do this as I wasn't there for the recording but how on earth did we get to this point I simply can't believe that Jesse has done this this is this has not been the plan since the beginning but it has been the plan since I said Jonathan Franzen Great. Uh, my name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ on whatever social media platform you please. Um, 
For my plug this week, um, of course, it could be none other but than uh, Chloe Zhao's The Eternals, a great movie that I really enjoyed and would recommend seeing in theaters. Um, uh, if you like the show and like what we're doing and want to support us, uh, uh, can I, uh, coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash can I, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Any money you want to donate, always appreciated. Start a recurring donation if you want. You can do that now. Why not? Um, yeah. And uh, five dollars, uh, and you can name a movie Amelia will watch and review on Letterboxd. Oh, Amelia. I wanted to say this: if you set up a recurring uh, donation, you can request a perk. We might not fulfill it, but you can request. We'll it. certainly strongly consider trying to make yeah. that happen for you. Yes. Uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at uh, I'm Laugh Alone. I'm you're I'm on Twitter because I was taken. I'm Laugh Alone on Twitter and I Laugh Alone on Letterbox. This week I'm gonna plug uh, this Little Sims album called "Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert." Of course, we all know Little Sims is star of Venom too. Um. <laughs> But uh, she's also a really great musician, and this album's really fucking good, and people should listen to it. I'm also going to plug something on Cullen's behalf, because Cullen isn't here, because we were, we're recording at a weird time. So I'm just going to look at his letterbox, see what's the last movie he, re- <laughs> what's the last movie he really liked. So he's going to be plugging Albert Brooks' Lost in America. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be so happy that he didn't get to say that That you did on his behalf Yeah He also is gonna be the maddest about my plug Yeah I am I mean We're all Just a collection <laughs> I, I, Except for my Little Sons album Which is actually very good Just a very bad collection of plugs this week <laughs> Just absolutely don't take our word for any of this Don't listen to or watch any Or consume any of this content Come well, on. No. But, no, go see on. Jesse's improv. Come on. Yeah. This is Eternals. By, this is normally I would watch is, Jesse's improv. I'll post that plug. I I I think I'm getting turned off of it. I will you know what? I'm gonna change my plug. It's not me. <laughs> we it's withdraw a, the plug. <laughs> I withdraw that plug. It's not me. It's a tie between the other seven people that are on the team. Sure. Watch Jesse's improv, <laughs> but our our song is by True Related. You can find them at SoundCloud.com/slash True Related. Research True Related on Spotify. That is it, I think. Jesse, you have a All line right. here. Yep, I'm gonna release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.